and Talk. Hello and welcome uh, to Grow Up and Talk. Uh, I'm Alex and along with Pastor Aaron, we are excited to have you here on episode two of our podcast. We believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. And one of the best ways that we can do this is to read God's word and also talk about it. Uh, we're here to encourage one another on our journey toward spiritual maturity, and something that the Messiah family is doing is going through a three-year Bible reading plan. Uh, so we are in the middle of this Bible reading plan, and today we're going to jump in uh, to that plan. But before we do, we should introduce our guest. We should. And this Bible reading plan is an awesome thing because it's not just a three-year plan, but really it's just five minutes a day. If you want to take it in little chunks and think about it that way, it's a good way to think about it. And our guest today is uh, one of our illustrious members, uh, Laura Sanders, who is the head of our uh, adult education committee here at Messiah. And uh, Laura, welcome. Thanks for joining us today and for all the preparation that you put into uh, getting ready to talk to us today. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, this exciting. Is, it is exciting, yeah. And it's kind of fun to sit around these microphones and just kind of figure out how to do things. And we would be very remiss if we did not introduce our director, Emily Smith, who put all this together and makes sure that we sound good and tells us all the things not to do and sounds not to make. But uh, I think we're on track and doing good. Like, so, don't, st don't yeah. scratch your beard. Like, don't scratch your beard, Laura. Yeah, don't scratch your beard. Well, then, on that note, Laura, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, how long have you been here at Messiah? Some background information on you and anything you yeah. want us to know. Let's see, I've been at Messiah seven years this right. February. So pretty exciting. I am a coach and a consultant. I come from a background of financial investigations, so it's kind of nice now to do some life coaching <laughs> as a continuation of my ministry. Yeah, yeah. So um, how did you, you're pretty um, intense with your Bible reading and stuff like that. Not everybody is, but how did you move from that? Because I imagine you weren't always that way in your life. How did you move into this no. place where you... Yeah, 20, 30 years ago, I started reading my Bible. For instance, Sunday morning, we carry it to church. And then it stays in the car or comes in the house and stays on the dresser until the next Sunday when you pick it up mm -hmm. and go to church. And then eventually it started where I'd read it two or three times a week. And then it got where I started reading it every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I found Bible reading plans really helped keep me on track. Because okay. yeah. there's days, honestly, if... We don't feel like reading it. Mm -hmm. But if we only went to our parents when we really needed something, they'd mm -hmm. get pretty sick and tired of hearing from us. Mm -hmm. And so it's a practice of going to God every day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing from that's that's great. Yeah. Um, uh, and as far as people who maybe aren't at that place yet, what's the benefit? What benefit do you see in, in your life to doing that other than... Well, that's just some quiet time. Wow. No, it, it brings peace and stability to your life. It brings guidance in those tough decisions in your life. It it helps mold and shape and transform your life. Mm -hmm. But it's not like I read it this morning. I'm a change person and I never <laughs> have to read it again. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I have to go to it like our daily bread. I yep. have to go to it every day just to be reminded how great God is. And sometimes it realize, you know, 
I'm not that great yeah, by really, far. Not really that great. Well, we think you're great. Uh, yes, you're great. I yeah. would agree with that <laughs> statement, uh, but thank you for sharing about yourself and also kind of that background on how, you know, you found the regular habit of reading God's word uh, to be beneficial in your life. So uh, with that being said, let's jump into our reading uh, for this week. Today, we're going to cover the readings from February 8th to the 14th which is Exodus chapter 18 to Exodus chapter 24. Some uh, wild and crazy heavy, things going on. Heavy yeah. stuff. My goodness. Yeah. Like, so, welcome, Laura. <laughs> yeah, let's dive into these yeah. uh, huge laws and things. Uh, yeah, why didn't you have me talk about the plagues? Because That's that, exciting. Because that was easy, and Pastor Alex and I had to kick it off with something easy, you know? No, uh, no this uh, this is exciting, and there's this is probably a really good place to, uh, to jump in, and maybe for people who aren't as familiar with the Bible, to show them why these things, it can mm. kind of be kind of mundane, and boring or like repetitive or even really, really weird, um, why these things are important and so practical to us today. So, Pastor Alex, where do you want to start? How do we want to go with this? Well, I thought it would be good if we just kind of give an overview of the details of these chapters real briefly, uh, the event that happened. So, um, what happens in chapter 18 is Moses, is he's with the people, and he's trying to figure out how to just organize things. There's a lot of different uh, problems uh, that are going on, and everyone's coming to Moses all the time, so he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, to get some advice on how to uh, get organized. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would correct you there. Okay. Moses thinks he's got it all under control, (laughs) and he's sitting there with the people all lined up to see him all day long. Jethro, his father-in-law who's visited, is observing this and says, what are you doing? Stop. This is crazy. You can't do this. Oh, well, the people need to know what God would say. So they're coming to me. No, 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 no. There's a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. So then Jethro gives him advice and Moses, humble enough, listens to his Mm -hmm. father-in-law's advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. What was the advice? What was the advice? So the first advice was teach the people God's laws, show them how to walk in their life. Oh, so model it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So teach them, give them instruction, show them. Then select some leaders, Mm. and there's some qualifications for these leaders. Let them handle the little stuff, and then you handle just the big stuff. Because if not, we're going to burn out and wear out, and we see that so much in our life. I mean, you ask me, what do we get out of the Bible? I get so much practical application just to how to live my life today. Yeah. Well, that kind of setting up leaders and that kind of hierarchy is later on. We see that in the New Testament when they're setting up the church, too, with the, uh, you know, the, the leaders, the elders, the bishops, the deacons, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and that there's this, yeah, there is definitely an order. God's, God's truly a God of order. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so then after that happened, uh, they make their way to Mount Sinai, and this is where we see the uh, events of God giving his law, um, actually bringing his presence upon the mountain mm-hmm. in a really uh, just dramatic. massive way, dramatic way. That's a good word. Uh, clouds and lightning and fire and all this stuff, uh, telling people don't go near this mountain, don't touch it. Uh, he does invite Moses up 
to the mountain and a few other selected individuals, but Moses is the only one that's allowed and called to go to the very top uh, in the presence of God in this really uh, amazing way. So we get the Ten Commandments, and then we also uh, hear about a lot of these other laws, mm-hmm. which we might touch on uh, later. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to know what, ha- what I'm supposed to do when my ox gores someone, so see, I can't wait to get to that part. See, yeah. can you imagine all the people lined up to see Moses all day long? <laughs> yeah. These were the kind of disputes they were probably hmm. bringing to Moses. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. had to teach them God's law so they could start judging these things for themselves. Yeah. So where do we round out, Pastor Alex? How does this how does this uh, this uh, section end up? What do we end up with at the well, 24? Um, basically what happens is Moses is just receiving this law from God and it's saying that uh, he is he is kind of relaying all these laws that God is giving him all these instructions for living he's relaying that and communicating that to God's people and what they say is all right everything you've just said uh-huh. we're going to do gonna which do. we know works out really well in the end <laughs> actually it doesn't i'm being sarcastic there but um that's how our section for re- uh, this week's reading ends mm-hmm. is with moses he's received all these laws he communicates them to the people and then they say all right we're yeah. good so that's kind of the overview of right. of what and uh, at the this very week at the very end of chapter 24, that's when Moses goes up to the mountain or okay. to the very top and is actually up there. They say then for 40 days and 40 nights, leaving Aaron in charge. Yeah. You never want to leave Aaron in charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where that went. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's just take a look at uh, in general over the over this whole thing. Um, you, you know, Laura, we. Pastor Alex is going to have some questions for you, just kind of prompts, and uh, just kind of take off with some of the things that he's uh, he's got written down there for you. Yeah, so first of all, was there anything in particular that stood out to you uh, when reviewing Exodus 18 to 24? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the advice that Jethro gave, how okay. I can use that in my own life, this mountain exploding Mm. in chapter 19 and God's presence being so holy, the people can't even touch it, can't even come near it. And they have to prepare just to meet God and worship him. And I think about Jesus today, you know, because of what he did, I don't have to be afraid to approach God anymore. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I can really bring that forward to the new Testament. Uh, That's a powerful piece and yeah, the ordinances can get kind of boring. Mm. <laughs> you know, what happens if my donkey strays and eats my <laughs> neighbor's grass? So what do you get when you're reading those, uh, the laws and the ordinances? What kind of going through your mind? I can really see how God uh, or how our own law system is really modeled on some of those same things. Like what happens if a thief breaks in your house at night and you kill him? you're not declared guilty. Mm-hmm. But if a thief breaks in the house at daytime and you kill him, you are guilty. Mm-hmm. You can see where mm-hmm. some of our laws come from this. Mm. One thing that really, really bothered me when I've always read it, in this time, all of a sudden, light bulbs went off. You know, we don't have a slave system, thankfully, anymore. But every seven years, after six years, you're to set your slave free that seventh year. If he's a male, set him free. Uh, that's great. 
but you don't have to set your female slave free. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. That's yeah. just wrong. But what I realized, if a female slave who's not married, has no father, no brothers, no one to protect her, is set free in this society, what would happen to her? Yeah, she's got no means of caring for herself. She's got no means of anybody else taking care of her. And she'd probably be abused, yeah. Right. So now this master is there to protect her. Mm -hmm. And so it was a way of God actually protecting and providing for mm -hmm. the females. And a lot of slaves in those days, too, were, were slaves. They, they kind of bought themselves into slavery. And so mm -hmm. they would owe you know a certain amount of money and say, hey, in, in, instead of giving this money, which I can't afford, I'm giving myself, my service, my life. And so the setting free is actually basically cutting off a debt. It's yeah. saying your, your debt is forgiven. So, Grace, yeah. I'm only going to serve for six years into mm -hmm. slavery. And that seventh year, I know because of God's law, mm -hmm. we are set free. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of those other laws, the Sabbath. Every six days and the seventh day we rest. The same way with the land. Six years farm mm -hmm. it, seventh year rest. Same way with slavery. Six years of slavery, last year, seventh year, set free. And, and all of those rest days that I was reading through this, all those rest days were really for the purpose of, you know, you, you rest on the seventh day so that your um, ox and your donkey can eat or so your servants can, you know, rejuvenate or, you know, you let your land lie fallow on that seventh year so that just everything can just rejuvenate and rest. And it was, it was really about trusting God and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. What about the, the slave that, um, that wants to stay with the master? And so you take him up to the doorpost to put your ear up against the doorpost and he drives on all through your earlobe yeah. and it marks you as his slave forever. What, what do you get out of that? Uh, I wonder about men who pierce just one ear. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. One earlobe. Well, well, yeah. I just, to, you know, I was, as I was reading that, I was, I was wondering if there might be some connection with, you know, how we get marked, you know, forever when we say, yeah, forever, Lord, I'm going to be your bond servant, you mm. know, and I'm going to mark you and God puts his mark on us, not with an all through the ear, but, uh, you know, through baptism. Yeah. yeah, he does put his mark on us. And, and it was a choice that mm. that slave made just as we make that yeah. commitment, that choice of whether or not mm. we are going to follow God and be his people. Yeah. Well, in looking over it, it's a pretty big list of laws. Um, and when we look again at the New Testament, what this is all about pointing to Jesus, um, we know that Jesus fulfilled and satisfied every single law. And so, again, looking at this, um, it, it, to me, there's just a lot to be said when you look over all this and we think of it being as uh, kind of boring and mundane, but God looked at this and said, you know what, um, this is to just to show all that needs to be done for someone to really be one of my people. And, and then, yeah, my son's going to take care of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You think about the people here have been in slavery to Egypt for 430 years. There was no seventh year of being set free. Yeah. 430 years slavery in Egypt with all these pagan gods. I bet they forgot how to be God's people. Yeah, probably so. So this was a, a chance for God to teach them how to be his people. And he, we have to remember he is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. 
And so we see that. Yeah. Um, something that stood out to me in reading a lot of these laws was um, there's a lot of um, words used like restitution or restoration or redeeming. Um, and I think, you know, God is instructing the people like, you know, like you said, these are probably things that are, are have already been happening, some problems that have been already arising up. Um and so he's giving them these very specific laws and instructions um, and showing them what it means. Like, hey, if you make a mistake, you know, go and, uh, you know, among one another in that horizontal relationship, um, mm. go and redeem that. Go and restore that. Pay double for something that you stole. Or if this happens, even if it's an accident, go and uh restore that make that it relationship. right yeah make it right exactly and so that kind of reminds me of you know the we have righteousness before God being we're made right before God uh, because of his grace that he gives us uh, through Jesus but among one another he also he calls us to you know go out and be Christ like and so in a lot of ways, I, I see these um, requirements for repaying someone that you wronged or restoring a relationship or an animal or something as kind of pointing to how uh, we are to act and love our neighbors mm-hmm. and kind of be make things right uh, among one another. So Yeah, uh, you think about the Ten Commandments, you know, do not covet your neighbor, do not steal, do not murder. But these ordinances really get into the details of how we go about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's in the first commandment, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. That And in the Hebrew, that literally says no other gods in my face. Well, God's face is everywhere. And, and it's kind of like one of those things, you know, doing something in your face is really a, is a, uh, you know, real affront to someone. But here God said, don't do this in my mm-hmm. face. This is the, and, and, and we can't get past number one. We just can't. And all of the rest of these is how, showing how, you know, at times we make other things more important than God. And so, and so we've got these little things to show us. It's funny, you know, if you looked in, in chapter 22, it's like, you know, um, you shall not permit a sorceress to live. Uh, whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Oh, whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You know, it's, it just keep getting thrown right in there with these other seemingly strange laws. Then you, then you have this reminder, like, this is all about serving me alone. Yeah. But there is this beautiful part in the middle of all these ordinances and this law that God reminds them, Moses, behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the land. And God knows they're not going to obey all those ordinances. They're not going to follow all the Ten Commandments. But you know what? I'm still going to send my angel before you to guard you and protect you and bring you to the place I've prepared. (laughs) And I think about that. I'm... I'm not head to the promised land if I think about being an Israelites in Exodus, but I am headed to the promised land in heaven with Jesus Christ in this eternal life. Mm-hmm. That is my ultimate promised land. Yeah. And all along the way, God's going to protect me and get yeah. me there. Yeah. And all those laws that we didn't keep, he goes, mm, good thing my son did. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause we get to some of that in 24. Yeah. What's yeah. next? Yeah. Um, well, you had mentioned earlier, you know, uh, the concern that you had, the thing that kind of bothered you a little bit about the, the rules with the female slaves. Is there anything, uh, 
either for you, Laura, or Aaron, uh, that kind of gives you some concern in reading uh, these passages? I wouldn't use the word concern. Okay. I would use the word confusing. Confusing. Mm, yeah, yeah. All right. Because we don't have that practice today, thankfully. You know, we're at Messiah. I promise you, nobody's going to be splattering blood on you from the front of the altar. <laughs> yeah, right. Not, not this week. Yeah. <laughs> But in Exodus 24, Moses, you know, they slaughter an animal and they splatter blood on the altar and on the people. Sprinkle or splatter. Okay. Why do you think, why do we think that they did that? What? Well, you know, I've actually actually preached on this once before. And and one of the things that that really kind of comes to mind is the way that it's done. You know, there's this hyssop branch usually that's dipped into the basin of the blood that is uh, drained from the sacrifice, and then it's splattered on the people. And it is a reminder, as God says earlier in scriptures, that all sin must be atoned for through a blood sacrifice, through death. So death has to happen to atone for sin. And when you think of all the people gathered around, you can easily say, oh man, yes, I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm sorry for my sins. But when you're like literally getting blood thrown on you, and you got to remember in, in the uh, Jewish laws, like there was some uncleanness that that was associated with, um, you know, with death and with, with blood. And, you know, you got to purify yourself after some of these things you do. And so when you got blood, just again, Kind of gross, but think about it. It's, it's coming on you. It's getting in your eyes. It's, it's like maybe dripping down in your mouth as it's going by, it's splattering, and you're going, oh, man, like this death stuff is real, and it's covering me, I, and it's, yeah. I, when you see blood, you realize the cost of sin. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes I think we forget the cost of sin. You know, Jesus yeah. died on the cross for us. Uh, Leviticus 17, 11. We'll get into Leviticus eventually, and I hope y'all invite me back. Because honestly, okay. I've learned to love. I've learned to love Leviticus because mm-hmm. if you could see Jesus in it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. But Leviticus says, "For the life of the body is in its blood." There you go. I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life that makes purification. Possible. Yeah. So that, that leads to one of the questions that I had about this. When they were before the Ten Commandments came in this in this reading, um, God told Moses, go and tell the people to consecrate themselves, and mm-hmm. they're going to consecrate themselves for one day, and then they're going to consecrate themselves for a second day. And on the third day, I'm going to come down um, on the mountain. And this idea of consecrating yourselves is something we'll see again and again and throughout the Old Testament for, for God's people. What do you make of this whole idea of consecration? First of all, what does it mean? And then and and then why is it important? here. And let me just give that advice that you started out with at the very beginning. When you hear words like consecrate that you read in the Bible and you don't understand the word, pick up something like a New Living Translation and read it in a different translation. And that will help you a lot because it will use a synonym, a different word that means the exact same thing so that you're still accurately translating from the Bible, but just using different words. So what does it mean to consecrate? Well, uh, the way I understand it is to make clean, uh, to purify, to um, set apart, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And so that is a big theme in uh, this section of Exodus is this idea that in order to be in the presence of God, we have to be made holy 
Um, and so we, the people have to consecrate themselves in order to be in God's presence because God is holy, which just means to be set apart. He is completely other. And so his holiness kills off anything that is unholy. And so it's important for the, the people to be uh, purified, consecrated, made clean so that they don't die when God shows up. Yeah, okay, um, okay. So um, that's kind of this theme that's going on here. Um, and so in Jesus, it's God's holiness that gets placed upon us. Mm. And that uh, is what kills. That That's where the death part comes in. It puts death to our sins. And, mm. and that holiness takes over all of our unholiness. So that's yeah. an awesome place. Like, that consecration that happens, that we're made holy. Great thing to remember as we take a quick break and get ready for the last part of our podcast together. We'll be right back. I hope you enjoyed that break. Welcome back. And uh, we are going to dig in to some, uh, a little bit deeper into a few things that, that we kind of uh, came across in these readings today. And um, I think what I want to do is I want to start with Pastor Alex. Uh, you, you, I think, had a couple of places here that you thought you wanted to really touch on and dig a little deeper. What did you find? Yeah, so um, this little nugget of information or insight comes from one of my former professors. Uh, shout out to Tom Egger at whoop Concordia whoop. Seminary. All right. Yeah. So uh, anyways, he, he talked about how um, in this section of Exodus, the Israelites, uh, they settle uh, out near Mount Sinai and how God's presence comes down on the mountain and he instructs the people to not touch the mountain. Mm. Uh, and so this is in stark contrast to the story in the gospel where we see this woman who mm. wants to touch Jesus. And in Exodus, we see how um, God tells the people, don't touch the mountain or you're going to get sick and die. Yeah, because that's where his presence is. Right. But in this story with uh, the woman touching Jesus, she is already sick and dying, and she touches Jesus, and she is healed and receives life. Mm. So this, yeah. So, and this even translates into our lives today because, you know, as a church, we gather around word and sacrament. We use that word sacrament all the time. Uh, We celebrate the Lord's Supper. So in the bread and the wine, we also believe that somehow Jesus's body and blood are present in that. And so we literally touch Jesus's body and blood and receive life from Mm, it for the sickness of our sins. So, so so knowing that our sinfulness, you know, they had to consecrate themselves. We talked about consecrate a little mm -hmm. while earlier. We had to consecrate ourselves and then not go into God's presence. And because else there would be sickness and death because we're not worthy. Jesus coming, bringing God into our flesh, uh, God into our life, his presence to us now reverses that as he kept all these statutes and laws and now allows mankind to come close to the presence of God, not only close, but actually have God's presence in and with us. And then, oh man, that's great stuff, Mm -hmm. Pastor Al. And 
Professor Eggert too, right? Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Way to go. What about you, Laura? What did you find and dig into? Yeah, I love that part about, you know, Jesus' blood, which Exodus 24 talks about that sprinkling of the blood. But what happens, Exodus 24, Moses takes out the book of the covenant. And covenant is a a word that we will often see throughout the Bible. And it just means uh, a pledge between man and man, or a pledge, in this case, between man and God. And Moses had written down these commandments and all these ordinates in this book, a scroll. And he read it out loud, and the people said, oh, yes, we would do it, because that's what was required on the behalf of the covenant, that they have a part in it, and God has a part in it. And that's called the Mosaic Covenant. Well, later, Jesus comes, and the prophets point to this, how there will be a new covenant Mm -hmm. to replace the old, because God knew we could never fulfill our role in that old covenant. So Jesus came with a new covenant to fulfill that role for us. And going with what Pastor Alex said, you know, Matthew 26 at the Last Supper, Jesus said he had taken a cup and given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, Mm. which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And so this covenant theme is going to be very important throughout the whole Bible. So all 66 books tie together so perfectly. Right. So, So whereas that sprinkling of the blood in the old covenant was kind of this gross reminder. And you know, like, again, you think about it, like dripping down your face and into your mouth or whatever. And now we actually are purposefully taking this new blood of the new covenant into us. It's changing, it's transforming, it's providing life. That's a really good image. And I like the fact you said that the prophets pointed to the fact that there's a new covenant coming. Mm. Uh, imagine how people were waiting, like going, man, these laws are so oppressive. I can't wait for the new covenant. <laughs> you know, what? This might be a lot easier. Like maybe like I've got this really disobedient ox who keeps goring people. <laughs> and, you know, I can't wait for the new covenant. But, Come soon, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, all right. Well, we um, we kind of look at the practicality of all of these things that we talked about and really where this kind of comes into a practical place in our lives is to know that the law of God is not a bad thing. It's a good mm. thing. And w- where it's good is what St. Paul, Paul tells us is that he says, all the things that I want to do, I don't do. In other words, the law... I don't keep it. He goes, all the things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. In other words, the law, I keep it. And he says, if I agree that I'm doing wrong, then the law is good. It's not bad because it's telling me these things. And and he said, but I can't keep it. And so what's good? Well, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus that there is no longer any condemnation for those because Jesus has kept these laws and, and he's, he's made it good for us. And so why is it important for us to read these things? It's important for us to read because we know we're going to fail. These reminders are important for us day in and day out every day. And so that's going to lead into a, kind of winding out the rest of our thing here. And so we're going to wind up every episode with kind of a random question. It may be fun. It may be silly. And you have no idea what I'm going to ask. Oh, no, you? I'm, I'm you're afraid. Kind of, you're little, like all of <laughs> this, this deep, mountain. All it's this the deep, fear of God. Right. It's all this deep theological stuff she's fine with. But then this random question, yeah. she's like, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. So can Laura. we talk about Leviticus? <laughs> no, no, no Leviticus. No, how about, yet. how about Disney? Oh. Okay. So when you think of all the Disney movies, you know, and all of the Disney princesses out there, who is your favorite Disney princess and why? Cinderella. Why Cinderella? Cinderella. Man, I have seen every Cinderella movie. 
I loved Cinderella so much. My parents are divorced. Third grade, I got a Cinderella watch from my mother and a Cinderella watch from my father. <laughs> I love Cinderella. <laughs> okay. All right. So Cinderella has a, a special meaning to you back from a long time ago. Yes. How about you, Pastor Alex? Favorite Disney oh, princess? Di- favorite Disney princess. Um, a princess? The, yeah. yeah. Disney prince? No, it's got to be a princess. Got to be a princess. That's the question. I, yeah. I can't change the question. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to go with Rapunzel. Okay. Because I like uh, her singing long voice. I yeah, Long mm. hair. I did mm. have long hair once. You did, um, yeah. I had a man bun, so <laughs> full disclosure. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, some of you are cringing right now, and others are cheering me on. That's right. That's so right. I appreciate the small minority that uh, cheer me on in that former <laughs> endeavor. Um, but yeah, I think I would go with uh, Rapunzel, the magical hair, mm-hmm. and um, just the singing. I like the songs. And there you the go. Movie Tangled. Okay. Super. Good deal. Well, Be- Belle. Belle oh. from oh, Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Yeah. First of all, she's the one with a yellow dress, and yellow is my favorite color. Oh, like and the also, gold today you're wearing. And, and she's also the one who, like, her her real power was that she was a reader, and she just was smart, and she was, like, she wasn't just, like, this, like, little ditz, like, oh, I'm super. She was, like, her power was that she was intelligent, and I really like that. So, anyway, Emily, what about you? Who's your favorite Disney princess? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. All right. That's because you two are smart. So, all right. Well, Pastor Alex, how are we ending up here? Well, I just want to review a little bit. Um, we kind of touched on this at the beginning, but Laura, would you? What advice would you have for like anyone who's trying to uh, begin more of a habit of Bible reading? Is, is there are there any tips or advice that you would kind of give to someone trying to get more into that? Pick out a Bible that you can read and understand. And there are a lot of different translations out there. I'd love to help you pick that out. Uh, it, it's not that complicated. We make it a lot harder than it seems. And then number two, before you start reading, really pray to God, the Holy Spirit, to help teach you and show you and disclose to you all he would. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't understand the Bible. And I think we neglect that habit of prayer before we read the Bible. And then join us on Sunday morning. We're walking through the book of Acts right now. Join us for this five-minute reading plan where we kind of unpack everything during the week so that you can get used to God's language. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks again for being with us today. It's really just a kind thing for you to do to share your time with us and with uh, not just the four of us here, but also with uh, with God's people uh, in Messiah and hopefully around the world as this podcast is. Podcast. Yes, yes. And if you have any questions uh, or feedback, anything you want us to maybe talk about on the show, um, email your questions to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today, Laura. Um, you are a great example and inspiring to me personally and uh this sort of journey of learning to love God's word even more. So yeah, um, it's wonderful. It yeah, is we're so thankful to have you with us. So God's blessings. Grow up and talk. Peace. Bye.